0: This episode includes depictions of body horror, sexual assault, mental illness, addiction, and ableism. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of Lan and She. Today's episode combines features from a number of Gaelic legends for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson and welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Last week we met the predatory trolls Trauco and Fura from coastal Chile. Now we cross the Atlantic and head north to a land of green fields, ancient stones, and hidden people. Ireland is best known for its fae, from leprechauns to changelings. But today's deadly subject is a little stranger, and far more fickle, a fairy who feeds on adoration through art and blood, the Lannan She. This is Mythical Monsters, Monsters of Seduction. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a muse urges an artist to create or die. In his 1888 anthology, Fairy and Folk Tales of the Irish Peasantry, poet and author William Butler Yeats wrote, The Lan and she seeks the love of mortals. If they refuse, she must be their slave. If they consent, they are hers and can only escape by finding another to take their place. She is the Gaelic muse, for she gives inspiration to those she persecutes. The Gaelic poets die young, for she is restless and will not let them remain long on earth. Yeats saw Irish folklore as part of a great literary tradition equal to the British Arthurian legends, and spent much of his career championing it. This description of the Lannan and She was part of that campaign. Yeats cast this ancient Irish fairy as a kind of creative succubus, bringing it into the modern age of Victorian monsters. Before Yeats, the Lannan She was less bloodthirsty, but still dangerous. Irish folklore holds that she's descended from the Tuatha Dé Danann, a group of supernatural beings from human prehistory. As their power diminished with the spread of Christianity, they became the She, what we call fairies. These magical beings move between their unseen worlds and ours, playing tricks and granting boons. There's some debate whether Lannan Shi is a broader type of fairy or a single entity. In either case, it's less important to know who she is than what she does. It's right there in the name. Lannan means lover. She appears only to her intended target, usually a male artist. She acts as a muse, inspiring his work. The man is so consumed by her that he wastes away in her arms. If you can resist the thrall of the Lan and Shi, she becomes your servant. But if she catches you in her web, there is only one way out. Find her a new artist. Like inspiration itself, she might move from one person to another, but she never really disappears. Still, there are some who would cling on to her to the death. Though the costs are high, the rewards are even sweeter because making art is hard, and some people would do anything to stay on top. (laughs) Nula was biting her nails. It was a nervous habit and a childish one, not befitting a 20-year-old woman. Donal always told her so, He'd catch her cold hands in his warm ones, smiling softly at how silly she was. She'd smile back and say she loved him. He'd rest his hand on her knee protectively. It was their little dance. But Nula didn't have a dance partner now. This was Donal's reading, not hers. She'd never had a reading, really, but she also wasn't a famous poet like he was. She was just Nuala, who bit her nails when she was nervous. And she was so nervous now, listening while he delivered yet another masterpiece to an adoring crowd. Her friend Wilfione gave her shoulder a supportive squeeze. Most knew Wilfione as William, a gentleman poet, but Wilfione's closest confidants knew they were actually more of a gentle person. Wilfione had begged Nula to present her own work, but she'd been too shy, so they convinced her to let them present her poems as the work of an anonymous writer. Just you wait, they'll love it, and then we'll reveal you as the poet." Nula folded her fingers into fists to keep herself from putting them in her mouth. You're sure people will believe you when you say it's not yours? Wilfione chuckled. Dearest, it's an elegant description of a woman's night alone, a very beautiful one. I love that bit about the pale damask sliding to the floor like snow. But if people think it's mine, we've got bigger problems. Nula nodded and clasped her hands in front of her. She watched Donal closely. She loved seeing him perform. His reedy voice commanded the room, even when he was wearing his owlish spectacles. She thought she'd known all his poems, but she hadn't heard this one. It was comedic, which was rare for him, filled with erudite puns and crackling turns of phrase. Then she heard it. He said, Pale damask sliding down like snow, muddying just as quickly. A strange shiver moved up and down Nuala's spine like delicate fingers. She'd told Donal that line. She was always nervous to show him anything, but she'd shown him that. He'd said it was too sentimental. Now he was using it to mock her. His poem was called an ode to the modern woman, his Lannan she. But Nula didn't feel like a muse. She felt hurt. Wilfione placed their hand against her back. All right, love? Nula's chest was tight. She coughed and snatched the poem from Wilfione's hand. It wasn't ready, or maybe she wasn't ready. Either way, she was done. Wilfione gave her a pitying look and excused themselves to pick a new poem. Nula had bitten her nails to the nubs. She was shivering among the gas lamps, like an icy hand had closed around her heart. A chorus of clinking glasses and toasts let her know Donal was coming her way. She couldn't face him. She wasn't ready. She dashed into the water closet, shutting the door behind her. There was one other woman in the bathroom. Her hair was raven black and her eyes gray. She smiled at Nula conspiratorially, leaning against the sink. He's awful, isn't he? Nula gulped. What? The woman laughed. You know who. He hasn't written anything good since he was, well, your age. She winked. Nula had always been a quick blusher, but this time she could feel her cheeks heating up. I don't know who you're talking about, and you're being very familiar for someone who doesn't know me at all. The woman shook her head. For a strange moment, it seemed like her reflection in the mirror had stayed still, watching Nula with a satisfied smirk. Nula shook the thought off as the stranger approached her. Oh, I know you, Nula Howalt, author of two unpublished poetry collections with many more bits of genius locked away. Nula's jaw dropped. Even Wilfione didn't know she'd completed two collections. The woman laughed. <laughs> but her reflection didn't nula was certain this time in fact the mirror version of the woman was still leaning against the wall while her real-life counterpart stood close enough to touch nula close enough to hurt her what who are you the woman snapped her fingers her reflection rolled her eyes and stood matching her movements once again call me lannon little nula i'm here to give you everything you've ever wanted nula laughed nervously i think i'm going to be sick she dashed for the stall lannon caught her as she went nula recognized the delicate touch of the invisible hands she'd felt earlier You're braver than this, Nuala. You're the girl who writes verses about whiskey, blood, and sex, who has opinions about Irish independence. She brought her hand to Nuala's cheek, sliding her thumb gently along Nuala's lips, who feels beautiful no matter what he says. Nuala should have pulled away, but she didn't. She knew what Lannan was. It was there in the name. Muse, love, and she was lovely, so very lovely. Nula placed her lips on Lannan's, and then the transformation began. Coming up, Nula finds success and the catch. Love. It's been the subject of poems, novels, music, and film. It's also been the driving force behind some of the most horrendous crimes in history. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Join me for Season 2 of Criminal Couples and meet the lovers who took their passion to perilous lengths. Featuring standout episodes from female criminals, serial killers, solved murders, and crimes of passion, this season of Criminal Couples gets to the heart of what makes two turn to a life of murderous crime. Some couples were set off by revenge or greed, others were fueled by sex and drugs, all acted in the name of love. Discover the darker side of desire in season two of the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Follow for free and tune in every Monday only on Spotify. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly Nuala floated out of the water closet and into the hallway. She felt refreshed. She felt alive. The events of the night hadn't just been some strange dream. Donal had stolen her words to mock her. And she had given herself to a and she to get back at him. She caught Wilfion coming down the hall. They smiled in surprise. Well, you look far more relaxed. To what substance do we owe this pleasure? Nula ignored their question. I need to perform in your place. Wilfion cocked their head. Not the same poem? Nula rushed past them as she spoke. No, something new. Nula strode confidently to the front of the room. A hush fell over the crowd as she went. None of them knew about Donal's breach of trust. She suspected that Donal didn't even realize what he'd done was wrong, but that wasn't the point. This was about her outside of him. Nula the poet, rather than Nula the girlfriend, the hanger on. There was a long mirror at the back of the salon, Nula could see her own small form just above the crowd and Lannan's smiling reflection beside her. The mirror Lannan put its hand behind Nula's back. She felt a cooling, soothing touch at the base of her spine. She took a deep breath and began. The recitation was elegant at first, delicate and poetic. The language flowed from her like cold, clear water. But then it got funnier and funnier. She wove beautiful nature scenes through puckish insults. The crowd's laughter nearly lifted her off the ground. She got bolder, parodying Donal. I understand why men aren't muses. The greatest masterpiece he inspires is a highly invigorating nap. She didn't care if it didn't feel like her art, it had the effect she wanted. She hadn't looked for Donal when she'd walked in, and she didn't look for him when she finally gave up the stage. Lannan's reflection waved to her from each mirror she passed. Nula beamed. She felt breathless, powerful. Suddenly, a strong hand grabbed her. She whipped around to find a very alarmed-looking Wilfione. Are you all right, Nula? She nodded. Perfect. Why? Wilfione bit their lip. Well, I've never heard you write anything like that. Nula's eyes narrowed. You think it's not mine? Wilfione backpedaled. No, no, no. It was just meaner than you usually are. But no matter. You can explain at the pub. You're coming, right? Nula felt the bolstering weight of a cold hand around her waist. It was very freeing, but I need to go. Oh, well, see you later, I suppose, Wilfion said. They tried to hide their hurt, but Nula saw it. Yet for some reason, she didn't care. The next few days were a blur. Donal's publishing friends were knocking on her door. They remembered her name and laughed at her jokes. They even discussed the state of the world with her. Nuala smiled gratefully at the new mirror she'd installed over the mantle. Lannan's reflection gave her a little wave from within. Her days were thrilling. But her nights were even better. She drank with Lannan into the early hours. Or at least that's what she remembered doing, but she never seemed to need to buy more alcohol. Nula had never been so productive in her life. She was writing one new poem a day, maybe even two. Of course, she also had deadlines to keep now. One editor wanted to publish her collections in a two-volume set. Others wanted essay after essay from her. She'd never felt this loved or listened to. Except when she was with Lannan. Always Lannan. The reminder of Lannan's importance was her only clear thought these days. Everything else was a hazy bit of intention, sitting just out of reach. She'd meant to meet up with Wilfione, but she never seemed to get around to actually asking them. It might have been for the better, really. She needed to be home after dark. She couldn't remember why, she only knew it was very important. A few weeks later, Nula sat in the parlor of her new apartment. It was the best her new publishing advance could buy, far better than the cramped rooming house she'd lived in before. Lannan poured each of them some brandy. Nula used to hate brandy, but Lannan liked it, so Nula loved it now. Nula felt her eyelids droop. She'd fought it with every breath. She was so tired all of a sudden. Was there something in the drink? She looked down. The glass was entirely full, garnish intact and all. Lannan, she asked. Lannan's reflection turned to look at Nula before Lannan did. She felt the soft, cold hands again, pushing her gently into the couch. She giggled and fought playfully. The pressure increased until she was pinned. For some reason, it all felt very funny. She laughed again. Lannan's reflection laughed at her. Nula felt suddenly, like the fairy in the mirror knew something that she didn't. The giggles echoed and multiplied in her head. Something about this felt so familiar, yet her blood rushed as if it were new. Perhaps it should have felt erotic or passionate, but it frightened her. She felt like she'd forgotten something, something important. But looking at Lannan caused the thought to dissolve in another fit of laughter. There was a slight pinch on her left wrist. She tried to turn her head, but it felt like she was underwater. Lannan's face appeared above her. Her heart leapt. Lannan glittered so beautifully in the soft light. Nula called her muse's name, Rapturous. She wanted to hold her in her arms for an eternity, hugging her tight, but her wrist hurt. Nula forced her head to the side. Lannan was bent over her wrist. Dark red blood flowed down her chin. Nula gasped with pain. She squirmed, trying to escape the fairy's grip. But when she turned her head to the front again, she saw something even more horrifying. Lannan was still above her. The other figure shimmered as it pulled away from her wrist. Its face was nothing but glass, a solid surface covered in red. Lannan's reflection outside the mirror. Nula's screams were swallowed by her own gasping sobs. Lannan's voice floated above it. Nula, Nula, you must calm yourself. You like this, remember? Nula didn't like this. The thought of those cold kisses she'd adored frightened her now, but she couldn't help herself. She kept giving them every time Lannan came close, giving and taking them, like it was all she existed to do. Maybe that was all she was now. She needed Lannan like she needed oxygen. Nula's thoughts were so muddy, but it was important she remember this, her fear, the pain. She'd never been a good Catholic, but now she prayed to someone, anyone to save her. There was someone, wasn't there? A friend who could help her? She willed herself to remember Wilfion's name as the world faded to nothingness. Coming up, Nula arrives at a dangerous solution. Now, back to the story. Nula woke up in her bed. She lifted her groggy head. There was something she had to do, but she couldn't remember what. She knew she had revisions due in a week, but this other thing seemed so urgent. Someone pounded at the door, shaking it on its hinges. Nula put on her warmest robe and opened the door. Donal tripped into the apartment. He was drunk. Nula wrapped her robe tightly around her. Go away, Donal. He shook his head. No. Not until you explain what's going on. My publishers won't call me back. My career is in ruins. Everyone just wants you. What did you do? Nula scrunched her nose. Nothing, I just got my confidence back. Confidence I lost when you were using me for, for. Somehow she'd gotten so angry, she ran out of words. Donal glowered at her, art. I used you for art, which I thought you respected. What do you call that tirade you went into at the club? At least I could laugh off your insults. Invigorating nap, hilarious indeed." The memories were coming back slowly, the happy haze of the monologue, the excited buzz after, and Wilfione. Nula didn't know why it was vital that she get to them, but it was the first thing she'd felt sure about in a long while nula squinted you laughed it off because you had no response you were never quick on your feet donal lowered his voice to a growl why write about me then she grabbed her coat from the closet and put it on over her dressing gown it was not about you it was about how you made me feel that's art she dragged him out of her apartment and left him steaming in the hallway then she headed for Wilfione's tiny flat on her own. Nula thought she knew how to get to Wilfione's. She'd done it hundreds, maybe thousands of times, but she'd forgotten it all. She'd forgotten something else, too. Something important. It was sitting at the tip of her tongue, just out of reach nula paused in front of a shop to collect herself the display window was filled with toys and games but that wasn't what stood out to nula it was the raven-haired woman standing beside her in the reflection it came flooding back lanin's control of her her frightening twin feeding off of her everything But Nula didn't know how long she had before she forgot again. She ducked her head, trying to hide the fact that she could see Lannan following her. Snippets of poetry came to her mind. It was gentle at first, then insistent. She struggled to see as the words danced in front of her eyes. Her muse was trying to stop her however she could. But Nula pushed forward, step by step, until she reached Wilfione's run-down flat. Luckily, the windows needed washing. There was no reflection to be seen. Nula rushed inside. She apologized to Wilfione and explained what had happened. She tried to recount every detail she could think of. Wilfione blinked at her for what felt like a good five minutes. You sold your soul to a and She. Nula shuffled her feet, ashamed. I didn't sell my anything. I just took the help she offered. Wilfione sighed. I know it's not your fault, but you're certainly purchased, dearest. There are a million mirrors in this city. Perhaps if you became a sheep farmer, you could escape her. Nula blanched at the thought. Wait, Wilfione said. I think I know a way you can get free, but you have to tell Donal the truth. Nula didn't like the idea but it was the best plan they had. Like Wilfione had said, there were a million mirrors in Dublin. Donal was still fuming in Nuala's hallway when they returned to her flat. The trio headed into the apartment and shut the door. Nuala eyed the mirror on the mantel nervously. All right, Donal, I'm going to explain what I did, but this new existence, it's a life I want to leave behind. Fog swirled in the mirror. Nula didn't know where Lannan was, but she could arrive at any moment. Nula rushed her story. After you read your poem, a Lannan she approached me. She raised her voice slightly. A very beautiful one. The fog twitched in the mirror, or maybe she just imagined it. She told me she could inspire words that will live forever. She offered me everything I could ever want, including destroying you. Donal crossed his arms. He was still wobbling on his feet. How do I know you're telling the truth? Nuala frowned. I am, but she only appears to those she wishes to help, those of great talent. Donal scoffed. You, talent? Maybe if you were a bit older, Old Nula, nervous Nula, would have cried, but new Nula, poet, genius, muse Nula couldn't help but laugh at him. <laughs> you couldn't entice her if you wanted to, old man. At those words, Lannin appeared, but Nula had never seen her like this. There were storms in her eyes, winter winds swirled around her. Nula shivered, but she seemed to be the only one who noticed any change at all. Wilfion took her hand in silent support. Donal searched the room wildly. Is she here now? Where? He seemed to be unable to decide if he believed Nula or not. Still, he couldn't pass up the chance. She was a fool to choose you. Maybe if I… He began to recite from his latest iambic verse… The syllables thudded to the rhythm of Nula's heart. Lannan glowered at Nula. I told you, you'd want for nothing. All you need is your art, your muse. Yet you bring these fools, these distractions. They only weigh you down. Nula's eyes grew moist. She told herself it was the cold. No, I don't want to be alone. I know you've given me a great gift, and I will treasure it and do my best with what I have. She looked at Wilfione. But I've forgotten myself, and the true me isn't strong enough for you, Lannan. You need someone who cares deeply about art with a capital A, and I'm not that. Nula gestured to Donal, who was still reciting. It was some of his older stuff, but it was still quite good. Lannan let out a small laugh and spoke to him. Oh, would you stop? The storm froze in midair. Donal's eyes went wide, clearly seeing the Lannan she for the first time. Lannan raised an eyebrow. What, no words? Don't make me regret this. Donal stammered a little. Perfect woman, nymph, goddess, and he ran out of steam again. Lannan shrugged. We'll work on it. She pointed out the door. Donal hurried into the hallway and stood waiting like a puppy. Lannan smiled at Nula. You're not just a man's muse, Nula Holt. You're an artist. Don't let anyone tell you differently. The fairy's form faded away before Nula's eyes, but her voice remained. Only artists lie that well. Nula and Wilfione sat on her settee as Donal skipped down the hallway, seemingly talking to thin air. Nula hugged Wilfione tight. We did it. It's done. No more magic, no more fairies, just good old-fashioned drafting and revising. Wilfione didn't respond at first. Then they said... You told me she bit you once, right? And she called you an artist and a muse. What does that mean when it's coming from her? A pause passed between them. Wilfione touched her freezing hands. Nula, why are your hands so cold? Nula's heart began to pound. I'm sure it'll pass. It's not that I'm like her. Nula turned slowly to her mirror. There were dark purple circles under her eyes, but she looked like her normal self. She let out a massive sigh of relief. Then her reflection stuck out its tongue. making art is hard, it's also very, very personal. It was true in the time of the ancient bards, and it's true now. Since the beginning of time, poets and musicians have chased not just fame, but true, everlasting meaning in their work. They seek to know what separates a bestseller from a Pulitzer Prize winner, an ephemeral earworm from a timeless classic. At times, it feels like a game of chance which is where fairies come in. The Irish concept of she feels akin to Christian demonology. Just like Lucifer, bargains are a big part of their repertoire. The lan and she offers the same deal that the devil offers a musician at a crossroads. Dedicate yourself to me, and I'll give you fame, fortune, and a real legacy. But whether it's the exploitation of those around you or personal loss, there's always a cost. Perhaps in keeping with another myth, one that's lasted all the way to our modern era, the best art is forged out of pain. The Lan and She is a manifestation of this myth and a personification of the self-destructive tendencies that can sometimes be found in creative circles. She's also a reminder It's up to each creative to decide what they would do to expand their craft, to build an audience, or to become a household name. But be careful how you expend your energy and who you give it to. You never know what they may take in return. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another Monster of Seduction. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Roche, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Coleman Gray. I'm Vanessa Richardson. It's been said that love is a many-splendored thing. That is, until it's not. In Season 2 of Criminal Couples, discover true stories of couples who turned their love lives into a life of crime. Lies and deceit are just the beginning. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Criminal Couples. Catch new episodes every Monday, free and only on Spotify.